Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. All right, come on and take a seat. Come on and take a seat. How many, how many people uh, said Elf is their favorite Christmas movie? I heard All a lot four of, of us. Uh, Polar right. Express as well. Anybody Polar Express? Hey, I, like Polar Express would be ranked higher for me if I didn't cry every time I watched it. I don't even know why I cry. It's just so real, you know? It's too real. Uh, any, any Home Alone fans in here? That's my favorite. All the mischievous kids like dream of like booby trapping their house to just like destroy their parents. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, the Grinch. All versions of the Grinch. Has anybody Yo, seen the newest Stewie. one? Benedict Cumberbatch. Blueberry pumpkin patch. Anybody seen him? No. I think you're just making stuff up now. <laughs> that is not a Christmas movie. It anybody Christmas Die Hard? Favorite Christmas movie? Die Hard. <laughs> Have you even seen it? Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, hey, um, welcome to Christmas at Citizens. My name is Sam. My name is Sam. Oh, my name is Courtney. I missed the cue. Sorry. I'm Courtney. And, and we, wanna, we just want to talk to you guys, man. We want to do a fun activity that we usually do around the holidays. We, wanted to, we decided that in the spirit of Christmas, that we would look at our family photos. Yes. How many of you have one of these sitting in your house? They're kind of like a little out of vogue now. <laughs> How many of you have no idea what this album? is? Like, I've seen that in a museum. They have pictures of faces. Yes. Oh, yeah. So let's get to a few photos. We like looking at Christmas family photos. Um, so some of you maybe have been looking at the back a little bit. So let's do this. Let's guess the citizens leader. Are you ready? Hey, give a big hand for our citizens leaders, right? We embrace godly authority. We love our leaders, and now we want to laugh at their baby pictures. So let's see. I sent in my baby picture, and Courtney was like, that's cheating. You're the only not white youth staffer. <laughs> So it was an dang, easy guess. she's right. All right, who's got a guess on this one? Who is it? Wow, wow, here it is. Easy, easy guess. Golf clap, golf clap. Matt Rushing. The 80s. You got the tips of the tree. Do another, do another. All right, second one, here we go. Anna, say it loud and proud. Why? Because that's Micah's face. Look at that. What is my kid's face doing on my wife's body? <laughs> it's right there. All right, next one. This one's hard. He's got a, he's got a helmet on. It's very difficult. Kyle, what's your guess? Brock? It's not Brock. Oh, your with the Broncos jersey. That's a good guess. You guess is Tony? This one will shock you all. Is that Joe Howard? Oh. Kelly got it. Nicely done. All right, next one. This one's super easy if you know the children. I know all the children. <laughs> yes, indeed. Anna got it right. It is Miss Kelly Powers. Kelly? That's it literally It looks like Ruby. Ruby, her oldest. That's Ruby. 
Yes. All right. Here's this one. Easy guess. People are saying Sam. There we go. Small group. Say it loud. It's Chris Haney because that looks like little Theodore. <laughs> yes. So good. All right. Here we go. I have never weighed that much in my life. Uh, this one's hard, but you're looking at the little girl in the diaper. Okay. Not the boy. You're looking at the little girl in the diaper. It's not me. Nope. There's too much tinsel on that tree to be the 90s. <laughs> surprise, surprise. It's Teresa, Teresa. spinning this. <laughs> it's great. All right, here we go. Another one. Easy peasy. Who is this? Of course, it's Zachary Hoover. Zach, you haven't aged a day. You just put beard on that picture, and that's you. So good. I don't remember how many we have. Aww. You gotta know this one. It's not me. Still loving robes to this day. <laughs> it is Olivia Ross. Isn't it cute? All right, last one I think. Who's that? That's not fair, you're the only ginger youth staffer. <laughs> I never realized how red my hair actually is, but yes, that is me. I told my family that, yes, I have been the princess from day one, so. <laughs> yes, guys, we love looking through family photos. Um, we're going to have a few more uh, family photos next week, so stay tuned to uh, stump the youth staffer again. But um, we like looking through family photos during Christmas time. It's so fun going through the archives. I just spent, like, so much time my mom sending me, like, pictures of us as a kid. Um, but have you ever like looked farther back than just like your photo album? Like how many of you have ever like uh, tried to do a family tree or try to go back as far as possible? You're like grandparents, great, great grandparents, great, great, great grandparents. And really, I mean, you can tell a lot about someone based on where they come from. Well, so actually last Christmas, I got a Christmas present from my mother-in-law. It was like the DNA, Ancestry.com, 23andMe. Have you guys seen that thing? I still haven't done it. But here's what I think is hilarious, right? So someone on this stage, not named Sam, has recently had their DNA checked out, <laughs> and I'm about to put her on the spot. So Courtney, do you guys wanna hear Courtney's ancestry? Yeah, yeah like when you look at somebody's family tree, <laughs> you look at that person, you go, that makes so much sense. So Courtney, 50% of her ancestry, any guesses? Straight Irish, luck Irish. of the clan, right? Yes. But here's where it gets better, and here's where it makes so much sense. Her, on her father's side, she is straight Viking. Like, yes. she is literally an Irish Viking. <laughs> hide your sheep and hide your dragons, because she will take yes. them. Yes. Uh, it explains there's a lot of anger that runs through my family, and it's all there. And so, yes, if you do have a sheep, I'm going to take it from you. <laughs> <laughs> Sheepy sheeps. This is why I love them. They're dear to my heart. Guys, it's true. You can tell a lot from a family photo, but imagine if like you could look at like Jesus's family photo album. Like it's Christmas time, right? If Jesus's family pulls out the family photo, like what are we gonna find in like Jesus's family photos? I mean- Like all stars, right? He's gotta have like all the good characters, you know, like amazing prophets, people who did miracles, people who like memorized like all the scriptures. That's, I mean, you, that's gotta be who's in Jesus. That is like epic breeding right there, right? To produce Jesus Christ. I mean, what kind of a parents do you think his parents had to be to like 
be the parents of Jesus. So today, we're going to open it up. We're going to open up the, the family photo album of Jesus. We're going to crack open the spine. We're going to look at the pictures, and we're going to see who's in, who's, in fa- who's in Jesus' family line. Are you ready? So where, wait, wait, but I don't, I don't know where I'm going. I don't have his photo album. Where right. do I see Jesus' family tree at? So open up your Bibles. Here we go. Matthew, the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is going to tell us the story of Jesus. He's going to start right at the very beginning, a very good place to start. So this is the beginning of Jesus' story, his family tree? The very beginning of Jesus' story is his family tree, and we're going to find out why that's important here. So here we go. Jesus' story opens up this way. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. He says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. All right, hold on. I'm going to pause you right there because if Christmas is about Jesus and he's like the most important person in history, you cannot have a more boring start to a story. I'm not going to lie. Like why the genealogy? Are you kidding me? Why is that here? Yeah, we're about to dive through a list of names. That seems like a super lame place to start. Like if you're going to start a story, start in the manger. I mean, the star, the wise men, they're way more exciting than all of that. But here's the thing. Just as we've talked about who you come from makes a big difference. Where you come from, your family line, like your history makes a big difference and who you are explains a lot. And so this, though boring, we're gonna see that where Jesus comes from, the characters in his story, the people in his life, the family that he had, where he came from is gonna show us who he came for. Mm. And so we're gonna dive through these stories, we're gonna look at these things, but pay attention here. Don't get lost in the names, don't get lost in the, the, the depth of like, all of the, the begats, the, this person had this kid and had this kid, because if you look closely in this line, in this genealogy, you might find yourself. It might look a little bit familiar as we go. Are you guys ready to dive through the photo album? You've convinced me. I'm ready. All right, ready. here we go. Are we clicking through the, the scriptures there? Yes. You guys got Matthew, you page 471 in the Citizens Bibles. You guys ready? I said, are you ready? All right, here we go. This is how the story opens. Abraham, everyone say, Father Abraham. Father Abraham. Had many sons. Here we go. He was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Interesting. Everybody say, uh-oh. And Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram. Imagine that being your name. And Ram, That's the father actually going to be my next kid's name. <laughs> Ram. Ram. <laughs> Ram Ford Cassis. <laughs> so confused. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Say that ten times fast. And Aminadab, the father of Nation, and Nation, the father of Salmon. It's a good name, too. Sam, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Everybody say, uh oh. Uh oh. And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. Everybody say, uh oh. <laughs> And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of the one and only King David. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep interrupting you tonight, but like, I can't help but notice there's a, little, there's a few uh-ohs in this family tree. There's some interesting names on this tree, and there's some interesting names in Jesus' story, and we're going to look at those names, and we're going to see that who Jesus came for, Jesus came for the disqualified. Those who were disqualified for his family, who didn't belong, who were outsiders or outcasts, 
Um, so, okay, when you go to introduce people to your family, you're like, I have you know, a few moments to tell people about my family. Where do you begin in telling the stories? So I'll tell you where I don't start, right? If I, if I have people over my house, I'm like, tell me your story, tell me about your family. I usually don't tell them the most scandalous parts of my story. You know what I mean? Like, like if my great-great-grandfather was a Nazi, I'm probably not starting with that, you know what I mean? Like when I was dating my wife, she was like, so tell me like some of the most rich stories from your history. And I'm like, yeah. So like my great-grandfather was a Nazi. No, I was like, no, my great-great-grandfather got a purple heart. How many people know he didn't have a purple heart? But I told her that anyway, because when you're telling your story, you're gonna avoid the scandals and you're gonna talk about, you know, the, the, the good stories, the grandfather who was a doctor and invented the stethoscope. Yes, yeah. or like in my family, like my great-grandmother is the one that she was the first to follow Jesus. And she's the reason my whole family follows Jesus. She and her husband at the time were not Christians. She actually led my grandmother, my dad's mom to Christ and then led her husband to Christ and then like my grandmother's husband to Christ. So like my great-grandmother is the reason like we believe in Jesus. That's a good, I'm gonna keep that story actually. I'm gonna use that. That's a good story. <laughs> For the next but th time those are the kind of stories you tell in your family. Right, and, and so in a similar way, what Matthew was telling this story, uh, he's saying, he's showing these people who who was in this story? Who, where did Jesus come from? These people that it came from. Um, but it's really different. Because where we tell the highlights, we tell the good stories, we are seeing some kind of shocking and just downright, honestly, really scandalous stories. Can you tell me some? Yeah. So, I, know, I know we're not supposed to talk about these at, at the Christmas party, but can you tell me a few scandals perhaps? Yeah. So, I mean, this gets messy. I mean, if this was like a daytime talk show, I mean, this is... This is where you'd want to go. <laughs> Welcome to Christmas at Citizens, huh? <laughs> so there's, there's three names we highlighted here. And we'll, we'll see that there's like three women listed in this genealogy. And that alone is already really scandalous. I mean, we're, we are tracing a patriarchal line, right? We are like father to son to son to son to son to son, right? It's going all the way down the line. Why is Matthew including these women in Jesus' genealogy? Because it's girl power? I think in one sense, like Jesus is not ashamed of the women in his family. He's not ashamed of the women um, that make up his family and his family of faith. Um, but there are stories surrounding these women that say a lot about who Jesus came for. So as we flip open the pictures, we're going to look at our first picture here. This, my friends, is Tamar. Anybody actually know the story of Tamar? It's messy. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Is this the same, like, is that... Is this the same Tamar where, like, the dude in the picture that's holding her hand and fondling her pinky, isn't that her father-in-law? It is her father-in-law. Yes, Tamar, Genesis 38. Uh, Tamar was married to Judah's son, but Judah's son died before giving Tamar a son. He didn't make her a baby mama? And it gets messy. There's so much stuff in here. And, but basically, the story ends in this way. Tamar tricks Judah into giving her a child. So she, yes, had a baby with her father-in-law, and this is the grandparents of Jesus. This is in Jesus' family tree. Yes. I mean, if, okay, these are like Israelites. They're people of God, and they look like they should be in the family tree, but the, the, this, like, this does not look like who should be in the family line of, like, Jesus the Messiah. Like, if you were sending, like, taking in applications to go, hey, who wants to be a part of God's plan? It's almost like Tamar would be disqualified. Disqualified. For her I'm, behavior. Yes. It's yeah. messy. Okay, but it's, it gets even more messy. So, as we flip the page, let's look at the next picture here. This is our friend, Ruth. 
Oh, we don't Ruth, talk about politics at Christmas, Courtney. Skip this one. No, 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 no. Like, we don't. This is a story you don't bring up. Like, if you're having, a, like, Christmas dinner with your family, what do you do? You don't talk about the politics. You don't talk about race. You don't talk about news. <laughs> you don't bring up race issues when your un- when your racist Uncle Johnny is at the table. No, you, know? it's, you, you stick to the weather. Stick to the weather. But, no, in this Christmas story, Matthew brings up this. And this, like, Ruth, like, she's Ruth the Moabite. Like, the Moabite people. These are people that Israelite, you don't talk to, you don't think about, like, when somebody says them, you, like, spit in their direction, like, pew, pew, right? It's like, he that shall not be named. Wait, you how do you spit? Can people. you show me how you spit again? Pew, pew. That, was a really, that was a really cool spit. Right? <laughs> it's not a like, pl- <laughs> It's a French spit. I mean, you're, you're not supposed to do business with these people. You're not supposed to talk to them. You're not supposed to look in their direction, and you're definitely not supposed to have a family with these people. And here we see Ruth, the Moabite. She leaves her family. She says goodbye to her people. And then we see her wrapped in to not only the family line of King David, but the family line of Jesus. She was an outcast. She was a social outsider. There's no reason she should be in the family of God. So it's like we have an example of someone who's disqualified for their behavior and an example of somebody who's disqualified for their bloodline. So Just, yeah, by Ruth, it doesn't get any worse than that. Very background. She, she can't be there. But it actually does get worse. It does. So... Scandal after scandal, we have another name in here, um, and her name is Rahab. And yes, Rahab is a prostitute. Rahab uh, lived in the city of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down right before the walls came tumbling down. Right, so Rahab lives in the city of Jericho, and so she has three things going against her, right? Already she's a woman. It's going against her in her times. She is living in Jericho. That's not the family of God. That's not the people of God. In fact, Jericho was the last stop on the map before Israel, like the people of Israel made it into their land. So they're like wiping out people on their way there. And then lastly, like her occupation is not one to like smile upon. That's not one of those you're like, hey, guess what my grandmother does for a living? You're, <laughs> it's not good. When, when people say, so what does your mother do? She's self-employed. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like Rahab, like she by bloodline does not belong in the family. By behavior, she does not belong in the family. But we see her in this genealogy. She's wrapped into this story. When the Israelites come to check out the city, she helps the spies. She makes sure that they get out of the city safe. And then really, we see a, a cool declaration of faith from Rahab where she says, your God, he's the God of the whole world, the heavens and the earth. And she leaves her people. And she not only just tries to follow Israel, where they go, but she gets enwrapped in to the greatest family of all time. And when you look at that family tree, like when you just slow down and read the names, what you're doing, dude, there's some messed up people yeah. in this family tree, like disqualified people in this family tree. Yep. All of them. And I mean, honestly, like how many of us have felt that, like felt like outsiders, felt like we don't belong. We're not qualified for God's family. Like, I, I can think of numerous times in my life, Courtney, where, like, I felt disqualified from the family of God. Like, I felt like I had to be far away because I messed up and I do not deserve it. I remember I, I was, you know, in youth group growing up, and my youth pastor came and said, can you read a scripture verse for, for the youth gathering tonight? And it was like, no. I, I said, no, I can't, right? And, you know, she didn't understand. But it was like... I. I don't deserve to even be involved right now. I, I can't, I don't deserve to be loved by God. I can't be in front of people. I can't even be in front of God. Like my sin, my, my habits and addictions, these things, they have disqualified me. I don't deserve it. I, I can relate to that. And, and some of it, it's like, I feel disqualified because like, 
like I'm not one of them. Like, I, like I'm not a church kid. Like I didn't grow up knowing the Bible stories. Like even when you're saying these names, I have no idea where Jericho is. Like I, my family didn't grow up in church. Like I'm clearly not like qualified for the family of God. Or, I, mean, I mean, the entire culture, right, is telling you that you are not good enough. You are not smart enough. You are not fill in the line enough. And so if you're here tonight and you've ever felt like, dude, I'm disqualified. I've disqualified myself because of my behavior or because of my status or because of what other people think about me, there's good news for you in this genealogy. If this describes you, you need to realize here that Jesus came for the disqualified. And ultimately, see, like, Jesus, he came for the disqualified, but he also qualifies the disqualified. Those who are disqualified in Jesus' family line, like his family, he qualifies those who are disqualified for the family of God. So if you fit this description, welcome. Merry Christmas. <laughs> You're in the right place. There's hope for you. Like Jesus' birth offers hope for those who are disqualified. So where Jesus comes from shows us where he go, he, where, who he comes for. So he comes for disqualified, but there's more. So let's continue the genealogy. There's some more stories to get to here. So uh, Matthew, we're still in chapter one and we're starting here at verse six, okay? Read along with me. It says, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Uh-oh. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Name your next dog, Hezekiah, okay? And Hezekiah... Is that a female name? <laughs> it's It is no. <laughs> And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amos, Amos, the father of Josiah. Anybody here in this room named Josiah? That's a common name. Anna, your name is Josiah. <laughs> and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. So, I mean, there's a lot of names here, but basically we're going to look at Jesus came for the disappointed. What do, you, what do you mean the disappointed? So, like, as we read through this section of history, we see, I mean, we see one of the greatest characters of all time. His name is David, King David, right? Uh, but, but this whole chunk is this kind of, like, spiraling into nothingness, right? We open this genealogy, you have, you have King David. I mean, he's basically, like, he's, he's the top dog of Israelite rule. He's like, the best king ever. Right? He, he's the best yeah. king ever. His, his kingdom's on top. He's a good guy. He's the man after God's own heart. The kingdom he passes off to Solomon is outstanding. Like literally the world is in awe of, of the Israelite kingdom. And yet it begins to spiral out of control. It goes farther and farther down. They were on top of the world, but we get the first hint of disappointment right in that beginning line. Did you, I don't know if you saw that line when it came through. Dude, Matthew's a savage. He is he so is savage. Uncouth right now at this Christmas feast. So he's very uncouth. He's, he says, David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. He doesn't give her name on purpose. We know her name. We've read it. Her name is Bathsheba. But he says the wife of Uriah. Why? Because it wasn't David's wife. David wasn't content. He wasn't happy with what he had. And so he lusted after another man's wife. He stole her, got pregnant, and then killed her husband when they found out she was pregnant. Like, David, our guy. Like, our guy. Like, he's supposed to lead God's people in a beautiful kingdom. And he failed, and he failed hardcore. And Matthew, That's like, disappointing. He doesn't, he doesn't let up. Like, he puts it right here in the text. Like, David's ultimate failure is on display. 
like, you want to meet a dysfunctional family? Welcome to David's family tree. <laughs> well, at least his son, right? Like, we know that David, God promised David, well, your son will be the one who saves everybody. So it pr he probably got better with his son, right? Right. Well, it's true. David's uh, son was promised to have an eternal kingdom. And Solomon's kingdom was pretty epic. But right after Solomon, like, it, it goes down. Like, the kingdom divides. Israel and Judah split. And then it's just like, it's, it's disappointment after disappointment. No king fits the bill that they're supposed to fit. And there are, there are wicked kings that come, like, really wicked kings. Like, you are supposed to, like, cringe when you see, like, Manasseh. Like, these are bad dudes. And, and there are some good ones, like Josiah. Like, he, he brings the word of God back, but it's not good enough. Like, every single king in this line is a disappointment. Nobody fits the bill until the very end. Like, did you see there? The, de the deportation to Babylon. Like this kingdom that was on top of the world, that was wealthy and it was bringing God's goodness everywhere, literally dissolves into nothingness. It crumbles into nothingness. It splits, it's divided, it's gone. It's a complete disappointment. And this is real, man. Because like every single person in this room knows what it feels like to be disappointed, right? Like how many of you here can honestly say, Sam, I have experienced the pain of being disappointed? You know? And so you look at these, these kings, right? And every single king, every time there's a new king, there's a hope of, oh, is this, maybe this is the son. <laughs> maybe this is the son. <laughs> maybe this is the <laughs> And how many of you know that like, you can only get your hopes up for so many times. You can only be disappointed so many times before you go, you know what? I'm gonna stop getting my hopes up. I've been disappointed too many times. I'm gonna stop allowing myself to be hurt. And so maybe it's been an icon, a figure, a role model, your parents, a sibling, whoever you've put your hope in, and they fail you completely. I mean, like, families are dysfunctional. You thought David was dysfunctional? Come to my house, Sam. Right? And my, par my parents don't get along. My parents fight. They're on the brink of divorce. Dude, I don't even like to talk about my family because we're a blended family. And when people try to ask me the connections, who's that? Well, that's like my aunt, stepmom, sister. And it's just so confusing. And all the pain and disappointment, we go, dude, like... I'm tired of being disappointed. Dude, and not even just in our, in our families, but like role models let us down. Like people who we've been looking up to, people who were like, I want to be like them. I want to hustle like they do. I want to work like they do. I want to be as good as they do. And they, they do something that let us down. I remember in a high school, um, I, I was in the band, band nerds, whoop. Um, and we had uh, our, one of our band teachers led a leadership council. Like a lot of my core like leadership training came from this leadership council. Like I learned so much. I learned a lot of uh, great like just ways to lead and a lot of really good uh, lessons. And, and um, a lot of my classmates really looked up to this particular teacher. And it was a few years after high school um, that we found out that that teacher left his spouse for a student. And I had classmates, like, this is years after high school, calling me because they still had my number. And they're like, what do I even do with this? Like, I look up to this person. Like, I chose my college and my career based on this person. And it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Disappointment. And even if it's not like other people, like, even if you don't have a person who's disappointed you, like, we all know what it feels like to disappoint ourselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we've all been in this situation where we look in the mirror and we go, for real, dude? For real chick. And we know what it feels like to not be disappointed, but to be a disappointment. Man, to let others down or to have failed others or to be the reason that your team lost or the reason the project flopped. Like, we know what it's like to be disappointed and be a disappointment. 
and with people failing us. And that's why I think this part of the genealogy is so encouraging because Jesus comes from a long line of disappointments. Jesus comes from a long line of disappointments. And just when you thought in your life, I can't allow myself to hope again because there's been too many disappointments, here comes a person who will not disappoint. Here comes a person who, as we sit here, Jesus will not, he, he came for the disappointed. He will not let down the letdown. He will not let down the letdown, Man. the letdowns. So again, if you feel like the disappointing, <laughs> if you feel like the failure, you're in Jesus' family tree. Where Jesus came from reveals who he came for, and he came for those who were disqualified. He came for those who were disappointed and disappointing. But he also came for some other people. So we're going to continue the last page here. One more. Of our photo album. Our last picture here of Jesus' family line. Here we go. Matthew chapter 1, verse 12. Here we begin. Hey, for every pregnant person in the room, get your pens There's up. This is a doozy. There's some great names in here. <laughs> and, af and after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheltiel. I personally like that one as a pet name. And Sheltiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, double bubble, where are you at? Zerubbabel, double bubble. <laughs> and Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, and Abiud, the father of El Eliakim, and Eliakim, the father of Azor, and Azor, the father of Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Achim, and Achim, the father of Eliad, and Eliad, the father of... Page turn. Eleazar. Eleazar. And Eleazar, the father of Matan, and Matan, the father of Jacob. Here's a name we know. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born called the Christ. All right. I'm, I'm a Bible college graduate and I'm a pastor. So of course I know all these names. I'm going to lie. I don't remember any one of those people. I mean, Zerubbabel, because if he's a double bubble guy. Uh, <laughs> Zerubbabel, the double bubble. But I literally don't know any of those names. And honestly, like, you're not supposed to remember these names. I mean, there's a few in there that you're like, all right, they're important for Israelite history. But this is a list of forgotten nobodies, no names. I mean, I, I mean, right here in Jesus' family tree, we're at this phase where, like I said, we had King David's kingdom was on top, and it crumbled into nothing, like literally nothing. It's gone. It says the deportation of Babylon. Like, the people have been captured and moved aside. Like, whole families have been ripped apart. Families have lost family members. Like, literal family trees have been cut down. Very few people are with their family anymore. And I mean, this is the time where... Like, God was like, yo, you need a massive timeout. Like, you cannot play in my house by my rules. Like, time and time again, you've disobeyed. He kicks him out. Like, a completely disobedient child, he kicks Israel out, and he's gone. Like, these people used to be with God. Like, the very presence of God. They had the temple. They had God's word, and they're gone. He's gone. They're without God. These are people who were once near to God, and they're far from God. This is a list of, of the distant, the no names, the forgotten. Yeah, and so that's where I love the idea that Jesus came for the distance, right? I love that idea because we've been there, right? Like we know what it feels like to be distant from God. Come on, right? I've never felt distant from God. Yes, you have. We know what it feels like to be distant from God. Some of you in this room right now are actively running from God. You know how I know? Because I've talked to your parents. No. You know how I know? Because I've been there. 
Like, you know what it feels like to be actively running from God. Like, right now, you're even squirming in your chair a little bit, and you're making an excuse to look at your phone because you don't even want to be here, but you have to be. And there's just, you're not looking God in the eyes for whatever reason. And you're running, and you're running away from just facing him. Or maybe you're in here, and you're done with your running, but you don't know how to get back. And maybe you're the kind of kid that, as you're falling asleep at night, you go, man, I miss God. I miss, you ever be there? Like, have you ever been there? I miss God. Like when I was younger, I was on fire. Man, after camp, I was like so close to God and I read my Bible every day and I was so excited. But right now I feel distant and I don't know really how to get back. I don't even know if God would have me back because I just, man, I haven't been living right. And you're distant. I can't tell you how many high schoolers I've talked to that are like, man, I kind of I miss middle school because I kind of miss when I was like on fire for God. Like, I loved God, like, I followed him, like, I wanted to, to be with him, and, and here I am, and, and I don't even, I don't really know him anymore. It's, it's like Christmas, when the secret of Santa is spoiled. And God begins to feel that way, of like, I thought it was once an awesome experience, but now, what is it? It's nothing. But here's the hope for you, little brother and sister. This Christmas, the presence, the arrival of Jesus Christ, even the, ge- the genealogy of Christmas, the, the hope for you is that Jesus came for the distant and he brings near the far. I don't even know. Yeah, Jesus, Christmas, but what does that even mean for me? It means that he has come to qualify the disqualified. He has come because he doesn't let down the let down and he comes to bring near the far. Where Jesus came from, reveals who he came for. So the question we ask is, where are you? Where am I? Where are we in this genealogy? Maybe you feel like the disqualified one who's like, I don't fit in this family. Or maybe you feel like the disappointed one, like, I'm, I'm over it. I've, I've been let down too many times. I've let down people too many times. I'm over it. Maybe you're just feeling far from God. Like, I can't, I can't come near God. I can't be here. I can't be a part of this family. And so because every single student in this room can fit into one of these categories, we're going to call you to respond tonight. All right, so the band, you can come up. We're going to do a creative response, okay? And we're gonna, what I'm going to invite you to do is, for the next 30 seconds as the band comes, we're going to have just some silence. And I want you to think about, I want you to pray. I want you to look at God in the eyes for, for a moment. And which one of these are you? Which one best describes you? Take 30 seconds here, and then we're going to tell you how to respond. As we look at these three people and we come face to face with, man, who am I? Where am I at? We're going to spend some time here in the next few moments, and we're going to kind of creatively respond. Around this room, there are, there are three stations, one for each of these types. And there's an item there at each station um, for you to go there. And so uh, for those of you who are like, man, I'm, I'm disqualified for the family. Like, I'm not good enough. Like, I'm not a part of this. I am. Um, I'm not a, I'm not 
the church kid or I'm not good or I'm not whatever. Over here at Station One, um, it's just something really simple. It's a certificate of adoption. <laughs> For those of you who are who are in Christ, who call on Christ, who say, Jesus, I need you. You're Lord of my life. You're part of the family. You're adopted. And you don't need to wonder, like, am I good enough or am I qualified or do I fit here? You have the evidence. <laughs> you have a certificate of adoption. So for those of you who, who are feeling that and you need to know, like, you're a part of God's family, follow Jesus. He's Lord of your life. We have the adoption certificate. And I love that because when sometimes it's our actions, sometimes it's our insecurity, sometimes it's other people that tell us you're not good enough. And we don't look to other people to tell us if we're accepted by God. We look to Jesus Christ. We look to his word. And so you can take that out at any time from your wallet and go, no, I, Jesus qualified me. And no matter how much I sin, no matter how much I talk back to my parents, no matter what my grades are in school, no matter what I look like, no matter, I'm accepted into God's family. I've been adopted because of Jesus. Or maybe, second group here, so that's disqualified. Um, but for those of you who are feeling distant right now, and you say, I've wandered away. I can't ever go back to the family. I don't belong. You're going to come back here. And we have a little key for you. And it's a keychain, and it says this. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Some of you, you feel like you've wandered so far, and you're the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter, and you are eating slop with the pigs, and you say, I can never go back. We have a key for you, because you're a child. And when my kids come home, when you go home to your house, you don't ring the doorbell. You take out the key, because that's your home. So if you're feeling distant, in a few moments you're going to go back there and you're going to grab a key and you're going to pray, hold your key and pray during musical worship and say, Lord, thank you that in Christ you have made me a son, that you have brought me near to you. And no matter what I do, you've brought me near. And the last section is for those of you who feel like you've been disappointed. It's like you've put your hope on paper on flimsy things. You've put your hope in things that don't matter or things that blow away in the wind. And you need something solid. You need something to hope in. You need something to trust. And so we have a rock, a solid foundation. On it, um, it says Psalm 73, 26, which is the one that says, my flesh and my heart may fail. In my Bible, I put will fail. <laughs> but the Lord is my strength, my portion forever. There's so many things that will fail us in life. Every single person we look up to and ourselves, but Jesus is the one who never fails and he never disappoints. And God is our solid rock and our foundation. If you need some foundation today, that's for you. And so as we celebrate Christmas this season, as you celebrate Christmas this season, I want you to have a fresh understanding and a fresh awareness that Jesus' arrival is hope for you. He came for the distant. He came for the disqualified. He came for the disappointed. Students, Jesus came for you for you. That's what Christmas means. And so I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. And when I say amen, we're going to respond. Some family cares. When I say amen, you're going to move around the room. If you're feeling disqualified, if you're feeling disappointed or disappointing, or if you're feeling distant, 
you're going to go and you're going to go and grab those tokens. As you grab them, you can pray with those around you. You can pray silently to yourself. And then we're going to sing a song. All right, so let me pray for you and then we'll respond. Father, I thank you that when most of the world is celebrating Christmas through consumerism, when most of the world thinks that Christmas is about toys and buying gifts and good deals on the internet, that we are a people who have hope. Father, I pray for my my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that you would help them to understand just how powerful the arrival of your Messiah was on Christmas Day. Help them to see with fresh awareness and fresh perspective that when the baby was born in the manger, that that was good news for them. That for those who were disqualified, for those who were distant, for those who were disappointed, they now have hope in the arrival of Jesus. May this be a community that radiates that hope, Father. And so right now as the students respond, would you speak to the Holy Spirit? Would you speak truth to them? Would you combat the lies in their heart with the truth of your word? and with the comfort of community, God. We love you, we thank you for Jesus, and we pray this in his name. Amen.